Hey, Sam. Dude, thank you so much for uh, letting me or giving me the opportunity. And thank you to Marcelino for letting us come in and uh, do this whole episode thing, making thing, whatever I'd call it, uh, in a really legit space to actually be able to, I don't know, record a dope podcast and try to make people feel better about themselves and teach them valuable skills, man. So thank you. You're welcome, man. Thank you again. Uh, and thanks to your home real estate for, uh, for letting us use this. Oh room. yes. Yes. Thank really, you. Really excited. Yeah. <laughs> really appreciate it. Um, so one of the things I kind of wanted to do here is I just wanted to cover some topics that we already had before. Um, and you know, try and just make the conversation flow, but, um, I didn't really script this meeting with you and I yeah. tend to find that we, we do pretty well when we don't script anything. We just kind of get talking and have yeah. a real good time. But uh, one thing I, I, it was something I learned from you early on in our friendship, which is a fairly short friendship, very, and yet uh, nice, yeah. I feel like I've become very, very close with you in a short amount of time, and yeah. I really, really appreciate it. I re- appreciate you so much. But one thing that you talked to me about, and it was this was in our first podcast together, um, was about just kind of the sh- the shame and fear complex that most people go through when they're, you know, just. Uh, struggling with being a human being. And so I really want to cover that again with you because uh, it's it's made an impact on my life. I think about it a lot. I find it, I find that it like impacts my behavior and makes me want to change my behavior. So I want to offer that to other people. Can you tell me a little more about it again? Yes. Uh, so fear, shame dynamic. Um, people with testosterone, high testosterone brains and high estrogen brains, they actually have two different core vulnerabilities. Mm-hmm. And so Someone with a high testosterone brain, their core vulnerability is shame. Mm. So the alarm that they have in their head, like this, this like constant dialogue uh, with someone with the shame complex is I'm not doing good enough. Mm. I'm not worthy. I, I'm, I'm, I don't show up to the plate the way that I need to. I'm mm-hmm. failing. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I don't deserve intimate relationships because I fail as a person. Yeah. Uh, and so like this, this dialogue uh, is something with someone with a high testosterone brain, this is the dialogue they have in their head most of the time. Mm-hmm. So if you're unaware of this, uh, it really can, it can take a grip on your reality. Yeah. Like it's, 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 it can be so loud that you, you cease to do anything. Uh, and, and, and it's, it's, it's very challenging to deal with. And so why people with high testosterone brains have this core vulnerability is due to the fact that we have, when we were hunter gatherers, people with high testosterone were typically bigger built mm-hmm. and their core vulnerability was shame and shame is a motivating emotion to do better. Mm-hmm. And so if a male did not protect a woman and child from a predator, mm-hmm. they would be immediately kicked out of the tribe. And if yeah. you're kicked out of the tribe, um, that's pretty much like you're, you're killed. Like yeah, you relied sentence. on your tribe completely. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, and so shame is a motivating emotion to do better. And so if these protectors didn't protect, mm-hmm. like they, they would be kicked out of the tribe, but also if, if they didn't do their part mm-hmm. of being in part of the tribe and, of and, and, and generally males were the hunters. Mm-hmm. And so if, if they weren't coming back with food, like they would feel pretty bad about yeah. it. Right? And yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and you can observe this at a very young age in in the male's life cycle, and mm-hmm. it's not just males; well, it's people with high testosterone brains. Yes, specifically. It's I, people with high testosterone. I really wanted to highlight brain. that. I feel like it, um, it it really transcends just like our cultural understanding of maleness and femaleness. It's actually like chemicals in our brain that yes. kind of induce these types of behaviors. And just because that that chemical or that hormone was more present in males throughout human history, doesn't necessarily mean that you know maleness is limited to this feeling and stuff like that. 100%. So I just wanted to point that out because yes, I really liked that distinction there. Yes. Yeah. So you're absolutely correct. And, and, and these are all just neurochemicals, people with high estrogen, uh, mm-hmm. typically are female people with uh, high testosterone, typically male. Yeah. Um, and so this shame dynamic can actually be observed in babies. Mm. So like, uh, someone with the core vulnerability of shame, if you were to look at them in a crib, like typically on average males, mm, yeah. uh, will avoid eye contact. Mm. So you can only hold eye contact with your, with your baby boy or baby you're a high testosterone baby 100 <laughs> um, and they'll they'll, main, they'll maintain eye contact very very briefly and then mm-hmm. they'll, they'll shift their eyes around the room mm-hmm. um and, and this is be due to that to that fact of that that core vulnerability of shame which is pretty crazy mm-hmm. um and so you the inverse happens with someone with high estrogen brain mm-hmm. you can you can peer in uh in in, in like eye gaze 
<laughs> Meet, lock eyes with a fe- yes. uh, high estrogen yes. containing baby, <laughs> whatever you'd call it. Yeah, my, uh, yeah, my form, uh, speaking today is not the best. No, you're good. It's okay. uh-huh. You have those days. It's, yes, it's, you do. It's, it's a fine thing. How, okay, anyways. So These high estrogen containing babies. High estrogen containing babies. You can maintain eye contact with them a lot more. People mm-hmm. uh, tend to emotionally connect with that because mm-hmm. like maintaining eye t- contact with anyone, you'll emotionally connect. And so yeah. like people will emotionally connect with a high estrogen baby more so than they'll connect with a high testosterone baby. Mm-hmm. But both babies need the same amount of attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. But, like, but some like, seek it out more so than the other, I guess, right? Exactly. And you may dismiss someone with a high testosterone baby mm-hmm. because you would assume that they're not interested in you, oh. right? So if this baby's not maintaining eye contact, you're like, mm-hmm. okay, well, this baby obviously is like an individualistic, right? Mm-hmm. He can, he, They can do things on their own. Yeah. Whereas like this baby with high estrogen, I can maintain eye contact with him for a very long time. We have a, a deeper a, emotional a bond, connection there. right? Sort of like so, a social bond at that point, right? Exactly. Um, social bond. That's, that's yeah. the key, key term. And so why this is, is necessary, going back to the hunter-gatherers, mm-hmm. is like the emotional bonds. Typically, on average, people with high estrogen uh, typically didn't have the upper body strength to protect themselves from predators. Mm-hmm. And they were more um, emotionally connected with, mm. with, their, with their tribesmen. And so women on average, can see better and hear better than men. Really? Yes, literally, they can. Mm-hmm. And so if you were in a hunter-gatherer situation, mm-hmm. who would be the best person to raise the alarm? Someone that could see, see better yeah. and hear better, correct? Do you think so they would have known that, though? Or you feel like, I, I guess the, the only t- reason I question that is just because, like, you know, we've seen in human history how we've, like, really uh, limited women and stuff. So, I mean, were we really letting them uh, have, have our ancestors been, like, uh, aware of this is get, I guess what I'm asking. I don't know if they were like, I mean, I would assume, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm not a hunter gatherer, but yeah. in that Sorry to derail there. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a good question. I'm sure that over time you would know. And mm-hmm. I'm sure that like the person that would like first raise the alarm. Yeah. It was just consistently <laughs> be really good at it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and so, so these people that were emotionally connected, see better, hear mm-hmm. better would raise the alarm to alert the person that could physically defend the predator from them while they t- took care of the, the young and, mm-hmm. and uh, the people that couldn't necessarily physically fight off yeah, those, yeah, those, yeah, those yeah. threats. Mm-hmm. Um, and so biologically, there's there's reasons that we have the fear and shame complex. Oh, okay, yeah. uh, and, and what you need to understand is like the motivating emotion behind it. Mm-hmm. So fear is a motivating emotion to protect yourself. Mm-hmm. So what fear is telling you is I'm unsafe. I need to put myself in a new position. I need to protect the people that need to be protected. Yeah. Shame is a motivating emotion to do better. Yeah. So like if you're not constantly contributing. So like mm-hmm. these are the best motivating signals yeah. for us to, to push through vulnerable emotion and yeah. to stay safe and yes. to stay safe over the long term. Mm-hmm. However, like our limbic brain or our toddler brain, mm-hmm. the, the brain that's fully developed at three years old, yeah. the, the same brain that we share with every other mammal on the planet, yeah. um, can confuse you based out that, that you you're not you don't understand what the signal is trying to tell yeah. you. You just hear the alarm. So I like to picture oh, this like as that. kind of like a fire alarm mm-hmm. in your head. Right? Yeah. And so if you have a core vulnerability of shame, you mm-hmm. have a fire alarm going off in your head saying. I am terrible all the yeah. time. I, yeah. I'm not worth it. Mm-hmm. Like this is that's the, what's what the alarm sounds like. Yeah, um, and it's set off, especially in our culture today. It's set off by things that like, you know, the whole. I guess what you're getting to is like the whole reason we have it is we evolve for it, right? And yet we're letting this be triggered by I drop my phone or something or like something yes. something stupid. Yes. Um, sorry, go on. No, no, no. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then fear. Motivating emotion uh, to protect yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so what that sounds like in your head, mm-hmm. that fire alarm sounds like I'm unsafe all the time. Yeah, like yeah. everyone is out to get me. Mm-hmm. My emotional relationships are like dwindling. They're, they're not going to be consistent. Like yeah. fear is, is is basically just an alarm saying I am unsafe all the time. Shame mm-hmm. and a fire alarm saying I am terrible all the time. Yeah. 
And this is affecting some people more than others in certain respects. Some people have that core vulnerability of shame, and that's affecting them more often. Some people have that core vulnerability of fear that's affecting them more often. But it, yes. it sounds like you're saying we're kind of all feeling this at, both at the same time, just to varying degrees as well, right? Correct, yeah. So we both, we all experience fear and we all experience shame. Mm -hmm. But like some people, their core vulnerability or the alarm that most frequently goes off. Mm -hmm. So like normally you would you would have either a, a fear complex or a shame complex. And mm -hmm. that, that just, it's all been alarm. piled on since the, yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. So you feel all emotions, but like the, the, the emotion that, that really goes off all the time. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's kind of the, the fear and shame, uh, dynamic is, is yeah. I like to picture it as a, is a, is an alarm going mm -hmm. off. And so if your fire alarm goes off in your house, you have to check it. Yeah. You have to check it. So mm -hmm. like, if the fire alarm went off, you wouldn't be running around the house being like, we're all going to die. There's a fire like, for sure. We're, gonna be dead. we're dead. <laughs> yeah. like, the fire alarm went off. We're all fucking dead. Like it's over. Yeah. You know? And so most people, that is how they engage with their alarms that all go off. Time. And so like, yeah. if you're limbically responding to those alarms, mm -hmm. validating them as reality. So when you yeah. hear that alarm go off, you're like, yeah, you're right. I'm the most terrible person ever. Mm -hmm. And like now, now I'm going to get angry with myself oh. because like when I'm angry, it's a, it's a temporary stimulant in the brain. So mm -hmm. like anger is, it has an adrenaline type effect mm -hmm. or an amphetamine type effect. Yeah. Um, and it also is an, um, I forgot what the term is. Um, an analgesic, oh. it's something where it's, it suppresses pain. Yeah. 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 That yeah. Is, yeah. So, so when you, when you stub your toe, mm -hmm. you're not, you're not like, quoting a bible verse yeah you're saying fuck that hurt <laughs> yeah that was very painful you know that was that sucked and it, it's weird that that anger actually does kind of like does. abate the pain like yes. it actually makes it go away it abates it yeah it's yeah. a, a band-aid step approach to, yeah. to dealing with your vulnerability so like <laughs> but by god we'll continue to do it yes 100 uh, and uh what's actually really interesting about this to me that that we also have talked about is um just how that kind of shows that anger is really a masking emotion yes that it's usually hiding something that's deeper that's something going on much more and it sounds like both of these core uh, vulnerabilities can easily lead to anger i mean let's face it like it's easy to get angry when you're feeling shameful and it's also really easy to get angry when you're feeling like your life is threatened yeah. it almost feels like the only way you can take control of those situations um which is why i feel like this information has been so valuable for me because like you know it all of us experience emotions, but not all of us are aware of when they're happening to us or when we're like actually trying to deal with them. And uh, by knowing this kind of like just understanding these core concepts and being able to identify like, oh, yeah, I'm feeling like really shameful or embarrassed right now. Um, then you can actually start to make choices that like or you, you sort of have the ability to start dealing with that and um, and actually being able to work through it and learn from it rather than constantly fighting it or trying to avoid it, right? Yes. So once you can acknowledge it, mm -hmm. then you can start to test it in reality. Yeah. So if you're feeling shame, mm -hmm. uh, so say say you embarrassed yourself, right? And then yeah. and immediately you start, start, start dogging on yourself, right? <laughs> yeah. Then you can actually test in reality and be like, do these people actually think less of me? Yeah. Maybe not. You know, no, like, probably am, am I an actually in danger? Let's test that in reality right now. Like, mm -hmm. is, is, is this real or is this just an alarm that I'm hearing in my head? Yeah, exactly. And so once you can like acknowledge it and mm -hmm. kind of like be aware that, hey, like I'm in control of checking if this is real or not, yeah. then you can start to develop a relationship yes. with that vulnerability. And, and yes. once you do that, mm -hmm. once, once you develop a relationship with it, and understand what it's signaling you to do. Mm -hmm. You can actually observe it is a, is a very beneficial thing. So, for example, like shame is a motivating emotion to do better. Yeah. So I believe, on average, people with high testosterone, typically males, mm -hmm. what is the best thing that like males have contributed to to their species? Mm -hmm. Inventions. Yeah. Like crazy. Like we got to the fucking moon. Like mm -hmm. there's, there's so many, like I, I do believe that our core vulnerabilities bring out the most beautiful aspects mm -hmm. of, of both the female and, and the male. Yeah. Um, and, and like for females, like that, like there's nothing like or for feeling love from like your mother, mm -hmm. you know, that mm -hmm. like, like comforting, like presence of emotional bonding Yeah, and like using an invention, using the cell phone, using mm -hmm. like the radio, like those things are phenomenal. And if someone didn't feel the emotion of I need to 
make this better. Mm-hmm. And like, I can push myself to do better. Mm-hmm. Maybe we wouldn't have these things that we're recording on right now. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah, so, like, exactly. I think that someone had to feel that there needed to be a better way to record something at some point. Exactly. And that had to do with some shame at some point about it not being good enough at the moment. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's really, really cool. And I, uh, oh shit, I had a thought, but it passed by me. It's okay. Um, but essentially I, I just, I really like being able to see that and letting yourself like learn from it, like you said, and sort of be able to self check and, and understand like if you really are in a fearful situation or if you really are in a situation where, you know, you're feeling immense amount of shame. But yeah, like you said, like, is everyone really thinking less of me right now? They half the people in the room didn't even see, right? Um, and this actually comes from uh, something I learned while I was in my health psychology class with fighting depression and anxiety. And they talk about like putting your thoughts on trial, which it sounds exactly like what you're talking about, where you're essentially saying like, oh, I just had this thought run across my head, which, you know, it starts with the awareness of like, I'm not good enough right now. And then you just have to sort of develop, you have to learn uh, how to be able to capture that idea and be like, hold on, really? Am I really the worst person in the world right now? Am I really worthless? Like, you know, all these things. And, you know, I think at first your your brain's kind of like, like, yeah, of course I am. I am the worst, you know? So something I always say to people, if they're like, if they're like, oh, I'm the worst. I'm like, whoa, you're worse than Hitler? And they're usually like, uh, well, no. And I'm like, then don't say that about yourself, man. Like, <laughs> see, I love it. You know, like, but um, I think I think that's super valuable. And just this in this knowledge in general that you've you know shared with me and now shared with other people and probably shared with a lot of people is uh, just super helpful in helping me you know understand my emotions, learning to deal with them, transcend them, and specifically like learn from them like you're talking about. So yes, really appreciate it. I really like that. Um, <clears throat> you you initially you were just mentioning that people immediately tell themselves that they're they're terrible mm. first of all, and then then with an alternative perspective, they can really pull things into reality. And so how we first process our information, I believe is through the limbic brain Mm. that like the alarm goes off first and then you have to check it. So like all of the information getting thrown at us is processed first through the limbic brain, which is a very monocular lens. It's, Mm. It's a one point of view. Yeah. And then, so that, that brain type is developed at three years old, Mm -hmm. the prefrontal cortex to use the binocular vision, two points of view, Nice, normally developed near the age of 30. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And it's only with that binocular perspective that really puts things into, to to, like the human perspective, exactly. So humans understanding reality. Yes. So with you interjecting and saying, are you worse than Hitler? Mm -hmm. Now you have another perspective that they had to incorporate Mm. into their reality tunnel. And that's what made the sense, right? Yeah. Brought things to balance. And so like most things, most issues that people have are are because they're viewing everything through the lens of the monocular, the Mm. one point of view. It's only if you can tailor your binocular vision, Mm -hmm. two points of view that you can actually start to, uh, to, to, to make sense of the world. And so, like and that's a that's a bitch of a process, right? It like it's hard. not it's it's, it's, it's it constant time. maintenance. Yeah. It's constant maintenance, and you're gonna forget because like yeah. your limbic brain goes off, and that alarm is pretty loud sometimes. Yeah, I mean, and like it can get very overwhelming. You're like, yeah, this is right. This it's is going supposed on. to be right. Like it was evolved yes. to like make us survive from a tiger attack. So yes. of course, like it's gonna be all consuming. Correct. If you were not afraid that there was like a tiger going on, <laughs> or if you weren't like if you didn't feel shame of like, yo, there's not enough food. Yeah. Like, Yes. And then people yes. would die and your 100%. genes would not be here, right? Exactly. We would not be here. So there's, there's, <laughs> there's a biological purpose of why this happens. That's, w- sorry. That, that, that's just a real cool point about it is like not trying to be like, oh, I have like I've recognized how the fear and shame complex cause problems in my life, but I'm not having to be like these are bad. Never feel these. It's sort of understanding. I know why they're here. And like you said, building a relationship with it yes. and starting to learn from it and grow from it because that I think that's something that people – often do when i don't know in anything we overcorrect you know we say that oh something that we've identified something is bad so we have to like completely go the other way but i just i like that at least we understand (laughs) you know you have to you have to keep that part of it and keep that balance right yes everything is here for a reason Mm -hmm. and like it's it's how we work with what we have that makes it the the experience yes yes yes. Uh, like going back to the monocular binocular vision um, most unaccount. So if you, do, if you're not aware of the fear, shame dynamic, mm-hmm. and if you're in a relationship, 
that fear shame dynamic probably rules your relationship. Ooh, this, yeah, this is important. One thing is very important. So fear and shame trigger one another. Mm-hmm. So someone's fear will stimulate someone's shame Oof. and someone's shame will stimulate someone's fear. So if you're unaware of this, mm-hmm. you can be caught in these battles where you're blaming each other for being triggered Ugh. without either one of you doing it to each other. So for example, mm-hmm. someone with a shame complex is driving a car. Mm-hmm. They're driving and, and someone in the passenger seat has a fear complex. Mm-hmm. This person's driving down the highway. They might be driving a little too fast for the, for someone with fear. So mm-hmm. that someone with fear, their alarm is I'm unsafe all the time. Mm-hmm. So at that speed with someone with a fear complex would be more, uh, <laughs> It sounds like it sounds like it's like the since they're being primed for their fear complex, then the person who has the shame complex is, is going to be you know if if this uh, person who is experiencing fear like talks about it, it's like hey you're going too fast stop like the person with the shame complex is be like what you don't think I'm a good driver exactly yeah, yeah I was like exactly. what do you, what do you mean like yes. I'm a great driver and, and then so, starts driving more recklessly 100%, right <laughs> yes and, and so. So that shame that that yeah. person felt like, oh, I'm going to drive faster. They're doubling down now because yeah. they're trying to protect their alarm of I mm-hmm. suck at driving. So yeah, exactly. The, the the acknowledgement of, hey, we're driving too fast, her alarm or that person's alarm is, hey, I've, I'm unsafe. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to mention that to someone. Yeah. The, the person driving, I am unsafe. Hey, mm-hmm. you're telling me I'm a bad driver. I have yeah. a terrible charioteering. So I'm going to double down. And by doubling down, you're now stimulating her fear even more mm-hmm. because now she's like, I listed that I felt unsafe for my life and you don't give a shit. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, maybe I need, I need to be afraid of you now, essentially. Yes. Like what is this even mean? more so? Exactly. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. and then like, and then that response like, yeah, that makes total sense. Like mm-hmm. you're, you're being a dick. Yeah. And then, and then like the other person it just you know, escalates. I'm being a dick. You're right. Like I, I'm terrible at everything that I do. Like I'm a bad driver and I'm an asshole. Like <laughs> can't do anything awful. right. Yeah. Can't do anything right. And so now you're both triggered. Oof. You didn't, you didn't intend to do like, there was no intention of harming one another, Yeah. but you're now both triggered. And when you're triggered, Cortisol is released. Mm-hmm. Cortisol is the stress chemical. Mm-hmm. And when the stress chemical is released, it directs blood flow from your prefrontal cortex, that binocular vision, mm-hmm. and it directs it to your, your amygdala, your, yeah. your flight the or fight response, the fear your binocular yeah. vision. Mm-hmm. And so when someone is triggered, if they feel stressed, their brain is not in the uh, doesn't have the ability to logically think because yeah. it's only using a one perspective yeah. lens. Mm-hmm. So when you're triggered, you cannot blame the other person. You have to just acknowledge it based off of the feelings that you have. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, when you feel shame, you know, when you feel stressed. Mm -hmm. And so if no one was intentionally trying to harm you and it's pretty obvious, you have to just understand how the brain works. Be like, Cortisol is going through my head. I'm not going to logically be thinking. Mm-hmm. We didn't do this to one another. I just happened to be driving at an unsafe speed, and that triggered you. Yeah, this triggered me. We're mm-hmm. both triggered, and so like now we just need to emotionally bond. Yeah, because that's Communicate. the only thing mm-hmm. that that solves it. Trying to logically create arguments. Yeah, uh, well, it, it ruins that, everything. That's the hard part. Is that because people don't realize that when they when they have this emotion instead of be instead of taking out of the perspective like we're talking about it's our brains are conditioned to start you know it's the confirmation bias it's conditioned to start saying i had this feeling uh it must have been because i'm right it's like well you know i am scared and i fucking should be and then they start defending that instead of actually taking in that other perspective like you're talking about yes. but um i love that so much cuz I mean, that's just a clear example. And like, also on a side note, people get very, I feel like people feel a lot of shame if you question their driving at all. Yeah, especially <laughs> like, if someone has shame. Yeah, place. exactly. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a quick way to piss someone off. They're, you know, so it, you can see you can see that interplay all the time, in, especially in relationships, you know, uh, especially heterosexual relationships, right? Yes. Um, and the thing is, both things are true. Both perspectives mm, are true. Yeah. Like the, the fact that, someone would feel embarrassed mm-hmm. that someone came at them and be like, yo, you're driving way too fast. Like you're we're way unsafe. Mm-hmm. Like that perspective of uh, is, is true just as much as her being afraid. Being or afraid. afraid. Yeah. It, what's crazy is like, 
I know for a fact that this dynamic isn't just heterosexual. Yeah. Um, because I observed it with my wife and her girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And so I saw a, she had a, a fear thing. complex. Uh, her girlfriend had a shame complex. I was trying to make them aware of this being like, Hey, these are our signals. Yeah. This is how we need to communicate. Mm-hmm. You guys need to work on a framework. Yeah. And like, this is how our brains work. Yeah. Um, that must've been a weird position to be put in. It was, it was an interesting position. Yeah, I, bet. I, I, grew, <laughs> I grew a lot from it, uh, but it was That's really good. nice to observe that, uh, mm-hmm. in, in, in a homosexual relationship. Yeah. And, and it's, it's true of all things. Like mm-hmm. in, in typically like someone that, whoever you're in a relationship with, mm-hmm. someone will have a core vulnerability of fear and the other person will have a core vulnerability of shame yeah. on average. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's, it's, it's like we said earlier, everybody's got both of these interplays, Yes, you know? And so maybe you do have two people that are, you know, have deep vulnerability or core vulnerabilities of shame. And then, but both of them are still going to have core vulnerabilities of fear too. And I think that, I mean, that's what makes a relationship interesting, interesting, I guess, yes. <laughs> is everybody's just being unique and different in that way. But I think it's just so good to see how this plays out and being able to understand it and grow from it, which is why I wanted to talk about it. Cause it's been, it can be so valuable in people's lives. And I, I love to hear that it has been valuable in your life too. I mean, that, that's why you can speak about it so passionately and so well. So, um, I, I just hope that this helps a lot of people cause it's a, it's an important thing to learn about and start to transcend. So, yeah. Cool, man. You gotta, you gotta delve into your vulnerabilities. Once mm-hmm. you become, once you become, once you have a relationship with your vulnerability, then that's familiar territory. So for example, like if you're mm-hmm. constantly trying to avoid what's vulnerable, yeah, that's, that's the normal. Mm-hmm. The normal is trying to forget. Yes. And while trying to forget, you don't forget it. You hold on to it mm-hmm. and you bring it around with you everywhere. Yeah. You actually kind of give it more energy and more attention by trying to specifically edge it from your life. Yes. It's it interesting. It seeps out into every interaction that you have with anyone mm. because like our bodies wouldn't are, you have to constantly. So if our bodies didn't constantly check for bad bacteria being in our bloodstream, we would mm. be dead. Yeah. I believe that you can apply that same logic to your emotional state. Yes. If you have an emotion and you're not constantly trying to check and account for that emotion, Mm -hmm. it builds up like a poison in the body. Yes. And so when you're trying to forget about your problems, you don't forget about them. They actually are just building up. And so like you'll be having a conversation with a stranger and they just blow the fuck up Yeah. because like you're not, you're not constantly accounting for what Mm -hmm. you need to account for. And so if you can, start to develop a relationship with these vulnerabilities, these things that you need to account for, mm-hmm. uh, like do the reality testing that you need to do to mm-hmm. be sane, right? Yeah. Like you can't be walking around being like, everyone hates me. Like I'm a terrible person or yeah. like walking around and be like, I'm unsafe all the time. Yeah, like, exactly. As you're going back, it's your not going right? to be healthy, right? It's not going to be healthy. And so if you can develop a relationship with it, then that becomes the new normal. Mm-hmm. That becomes familiar territory. And once something becomes familiar territory, then that thing is easily, easily can become a habit. And once mm-hmm. it becomes a habit, it just works on autopilot. Yeah, it does. And so once you can develop a relationship with it, it it's very foreign at first. Mm-hmm. But once you continue to do it, then it becomes a habit. And when your body reacts to a situation mm-hmm. um, unconsciously, like it, in it, your brain, it, exactly. Mm-hmm. When the body becomes the mind, like mm-hmm. and if you just continue to practice being vulnerable, then you don't really feel vulnerable ever. Yeah. Because now it's, you know how to handle it all that the, time is the new normal. Yeah. Just like forgetting about it is the new normal. Yeah. And exactly. I can tell you that like <laughs> having, having vulnerability be normal is way easier, easier <laughs> and takes so much less time than tra- like, constantly trying to kill it. <laughs> yes. And, and like, that's the biggest thing is like you save so much time. You yeah. think about like, when people are triggered, when people are trying to forget about things, when people are stressed, yeah. cortisol is released. Mm-hmm. Cortisol can take up to 30 minutes to wear down. 30 minutes. So and it's, you, it's not good for it to continually run through your brain. It deteriorates your brain to yes. continue experiencing cortisol. We're the only animal mm. that consistently stays in a hyper-aroused state yep. for extended periods of time. Mm-hmm. And that's why we can see... So much like mental disease, physical mm-hmm. disease manifest in the body because we're it's such a hyper aroused state. So, yeah. like for example, like zebras in the wild the watering hole oh, in the yes. wild, <laughs> they see lions. They're not 
looking at those lines, being like, those fucking lions, man, they're going to kill us. Those fucking, <laughs> like, we're in danger, bro. Like, those lions at any moment, they could come and kill us, man. Like, those fucking lions over there. Uh, they know? would never go to the watering hole. Yeah, exactly. The they would never go to the watering hole. So, like, <laughs> if an animal's not, like, being attacked immediately, mm-hmm. then they don't experience that hyper-aroused state. Like, that hyper-aroused state is very important to keep us alive. Mm-hmm. And that's why you need to understand why we have these emotions because we're just like every other mammal. Yeah. Uh, We have these for a reason. But like um, no mammal can be in a hyper aroused state and be healthy. Mm -hmm. And and so if we can develop a relationship with these vulnerabilities, work through them, test them in reality – uh, work on ourselves, like through cognitive behavioral therapy, mm-hmm. neuro-linguistic programming, then we can stop being in that hyper-aroused state mm-hmm. for extended periods of time. And that is just so beneficial. And yeah. it saves you so much time. Yeah. Like if, if, if you're triggered, 30 minutes of your time could be lost. Mm. And so if you're not developing you're a relationship with experiencing it, stress, yeah. if you're not developing a relationship with it, that's normal. Mm-hmm. That's the standard. And so yeah. think about how much time you've wasted in your life being stressed yeah just burning your brain yeah right? just burning your brain like i've saved so much time mm-hmm. in the in the past couple of years by 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 trying to develop a relationship yeah. it's hard but once it becomes the new normal then you're then you just automatically mm-hmm. do it and something that we something that we talked about before and i feel like like just has to be brought up here is specifically how kind of that transition of the of you know uh, the the emotional state towards sort of like negative feelings and then trying to like push him away is also like something we talk about a lot is the negativity bias with these emotional states, right? Because we have a negativity bias for our physical states too, like we were talking about with the gut bacteria, right? It needs to be on the lookout for enemies in order to make sure that it's killing all the bacteria that's harming the, the biosystem, right? So I, I see that translating to our emotional state as well, that need to constantly be searching for negative information, negative, you know, emotional and social information in order to sort of like be on the lookout for protecting ourselves. And so it's just like what you're talking about where we don't need to be in that fear-like state all the time. The zebra does not need to be terrified of the lion all the time in in terms of our emotional state. Uh, And people don't realize this. I, I think people don't understand that when they start grasping onto, you know, negative thought patterns about like hating someone or just like talking shit on people, they don't realize that they're, they're actually gravitating towards emotional states where they're detecting fear or they're detecting shame. Right. Um, and so I I think it's just like an important part of that whole experience. And, uh, I just wanted to bring that up. (laughs) I'm so glad that you did because it kind of ties back to the, there's biologically a reason for fear and shame. Mm -hmm. There's biologically a reason to have a negativity bias. Yeah. And so like if our ancestors were not concerned with snakes, biting them as they walked through a grassy field, we would not be here existing. If there were snakes in that field, right? hundred mm-hmm. percent. And so like we have all of these emotions for a reason. And mm-hmm. so if you can kind of pull back like your monocular lens where you're experiencing mm-hmm. these emotions and kind of understand why they're here, then they, they stop being so overwhelming. Yeah. You're like, oh, like I think negatively all the time. Is because I'm evolved to do that. Yeah. Man, maybe I'm not such a negative, terrible person. Maybe that's just yeah. how my brain works. Yeah. Oh, I, it I'm, gives you I'm, a choice, right? I, yeah, I'm constantly afraid mm. all the time. Man, maybe that's not a problem with my my, my self worth. Maybe I'm not so scared, but maybe mm-hmm. it's just the way that my brain works. Yeah. yeah like you, I, I feel terrible. I feel shame all the mm-hmm. time. Like I'm I'm such a shitty person. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm not. Maybe like every single human that ever exists like, is, is experiencing, is experiencing right? these same <laughs> feelings, and so like. Maybe this is just a part of the human experience. Yeah. Maybe if I looked at myself just like I would look at how to take care of a fish. Yeah. Maybe maybe things would start to make a lot oh. more sense. Maybe I could start making environments that would cater to my actual needs. Ooh. Maybe things wouldn't stop being so overwhelming because mm-hmm. I'm looking at myself like some mysterious creature. Yeah. No, we think and do these things just like every mammal thinks and does things or yeah. every animal existing. Like we, if, I believe if we were to approach our mental health, our physical health, just like you would approach the mental and physical health of your dog mm-hmm. or, or, or your, your reptile. Like yeah. if we were to view homo sapiens, just like we view any other animal in the study of zoology, things would start to make a lot of sense. Yeah. Things like, I, I think we would live a lot better lives mm-hmm. if we mimicked the natural states of Ooh. our ancestors. Dude. So this, this is where I get on my spiel about creating systemic change. Cause I totally agree. Like, I love that analogy of understanding like, Oh yeah, I just need to look at my own emotional health and you know, my mental health in terms of how you look at taking care of a fish, it becomes a new part of your hygiene. Right. And I, I like the idea that you would like, 
if you have that power to totally do that for yourself, then you can, right? You can just put yourself in per, like good situations that cater to your mental health and cater to your emotional health. And the thing that like the whole reason I created this podcast is because I don't feel like our culture, I don't feel like the systems that we're involved in actually do prioritize that. In fact, I think that's why mental health is such a pandemic right now. Like everybody is experiencing, you know, anxiety, depression, uh, some sort of like just helplessness and this feeling that nothing is good enough. And I really do think that our culture is building that. And I think we need to just identify ways that we can make systemic change to help cultivate a good terrarium for us humans. You know, I want to make sure that like we are getting like when we think of cultivating a society for people's fundamental needs, we kind of are still only focusing on the physical needs. We're like, and we're not even doing it that well, to be honest. Like we have homelessness, we have people starving, we have people dying because they can't afford to pay their medical bills, right? But even then, if we're like, hey, if we want to be able to give people a good environment, they need their food, their, uh, you know, food, water, and a place to sleep, you know, a roof over their head or something like that, medical care. And, and, um, but we're still ignoring this emotional and mental dynamic that you're talking about. And it's only becoming worse because our culture is actively like deteriorating our emotional and our emotional and mental health. I believe that like our culture really favors the bandaid step approach. Mm, Yeah. It's not looking at the root problems. You go to the doctor, you get prescriptions, Mm -hmm. uh, for, for the bandaid step approach. Like if you're depressed, they give you antidepressants. Mm -hmm. They, They don't focus on the holistic approach of like, Hey, maybe you're not taking care of yourself. Yeah. How many hours of sleep do you get? Yeah. What's your social life yes. look like? Yeah. How do you deal with stress? What do you mm-hmm. eat? Yeah. Like, let's, let's take a holistic approach. And so just because our society caters to that band-aid step approach, mm-hmm. that means it's our personal responsibility to delve inwards and to f- create change amongst ourselves. Yeah. The fact that we're doing this right now is a mental flex to mm. be a homo sapien. Yeah, it is. Social right now. We're talking about <laughs> fictional concepts. Mm-hmm. We're in a room right now discussing zebras, yeah. discussing mental health, <laughs> discussing, discussing past events. Mm-hmm. This is part of the homo sapien experience. No other yes. mammal can communicate in this way. Yeah. So just by embodying what humans do mm-hmm. is how you create change. Nice. And every single person mm-hmm. has had like, we're, we're Every single person can create such effective change. And mm. now more than ever, yeah, people are so powerful at the individual level. We, yeah. we hear this narrative of we're helpless mm. in, 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 in our government. Like we're helpless because someone else is, is putting us down. Mm-hmm. And, and this is just the narrative that we've agreed with. Mm-hmm. How many people are there in the world? There's 7 billion people. 7 billion people. <laughs> who, who, who really has the power? Every, seven billion. Seven billion. And like, if you can create personal change for yourself, yeah. that creates a ripple effect mm-hmm. to your immediate environment. Yeah. And those people, if they work on themselves, mm-hmm. that creates a ripple effect in their yeah. environment. And that's how you create massive change. Mm-hmm. We are not being oppressed by anything. Like mm. you, you can, you can view, you could say anything can be oppressive mm-hmm. through a lens, but not saying that oppression doesn't exist. What I'm saying is, is that we do not have faith in our own. We don't have faith in how much we can actually create change in our environment. I think that's very true. And like it's our personal responsibility mm-hmm. to try to do that to the best of our ability yeah. before we criticize the world. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that is absolutely necessary, but I think we also have to agree that those that are in power and those that are like, uh, you know, profiting off the system or at least benefiting from the system are going to want to maintain it as much as possible. So they yes. kind of want they want those like the 7 billion to feel like they can't make change. Correct. And they want why. them to feel like it. it's like, you just got to stay in your victim mentality because that's all it is ever going to be. So I agree with that. There has to be a spark within each person where they awaken and say, we hold all the power all the time. Yes. And so we, we can make the changes if we want to. Yes. Um, and so, I mean, I, 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 that's the thing, right? How do we get people to really feel that? I believe to get people to really feel that, you just need to be an example yourself. Mm. You cannot change people. Yeah. What you can be is an example of someone that is kind and that works on themselves. Yeah. Because that 
forces someone to incorporate their experience with you into their reality tunnel. I love that. So if you're, if you're constantly cutting people off because someone cuts you off, if you act to a jerk, like a jerk, that makes you a jerk. Mm -hmm. Like if it just spreads the bleed, like the bleeding. Yes. hundred percent. Just like how you have to deal with your emotional states Mm. with the good and the bad. You have to do the same thing with, with With others, the way that, yeah, with others. And like in our, in our social institutions, like if we don't like the way that social institutions are run, that that bad thing is still a part of mm. how things work. And so you need to work with that. And so what, what yeah. would be the best thing to do? Maybe maybe start to engage in conversations of of why this thing isn't working out. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe spreading that awareness. Maybe maybe interacting with your with your local state government. Yeah. Right. Like how can you create the most effective change? Yeah. How you can create the most effective change is by being honest. Mm. That's a that. huge thing. If yeah. you can't be honest. How are you going to change anything? Yeah. I that, I mean, I've been trying to prioritize honesty a lot more lately. Like it's it's sort of like something will – if you ask anyone like, hey, do you think you're an honest person? They're all going to say yeah. But like there's something in me lately that I'm like I know when I'm lying to people. I know when I'm not being honest. Yeah. And I – like there's, there's something I want to change there and that's very important for people to understand. And so I like – I, I like your emphasis on doing something within your community about being honest within your community and making change right within your community. Cause like as much as I love podcasting and the, the idea of like spreading a message out to so many people, um, it's, it's, it's drastic. Like there's just no root to it, you know, because you're, you're kind of just looking at it through a phone or you're listening to it through headphones. You need to actually go out and do the work with people, you know, if you want to make real change. And that, I'm starting to realize that that goes back to like being human, right? Yeah. You need to be engaged socially yes. as we do exactly like, that's how you fit uh like into the zoological lens right like <laughs> that's how we can you know, be healthy we're social creatures well yeah. who, who would have thunk that like and being on a phone all day is not making me yes. feel happy right yes. <laughs> it's crazy and it, it's like so for example uh you were mentioning like how do you create the change right like mm-hmm. so for me having to to work through my vulnerability uh through my open relationship uh and, and like i started to understand the fear shame dynamic, mm-hmm. and by me understanding the fear shame dynamic, it helping me. Mm. I wanted to spread that message. Yeah, and so by me just being an example of understanding this, mm-hmm. you now think about it in your reality. Uh, it it made now, an impact on me. It really that, did. It creates that's the ripple effect. Yeah, and and because of that, you now are creating a podcast to that. That's mm. how you create change. Yeah, you be you. you everything is in yourself. Yeah, you just be the reflection that you most want to see mm-hmm. in the world, and you know. Yeah. You know, there's no, no one needs to tell you yeah. like you have feelings. Yeah. You feel good or you feel bad. You know when you're not being honest because <laughs> you feel it. Yes. You know when you're being truthful because you feel it. Yes. Like, yeah, you need to be accountable. You mm-hmm. need to be honest. And like, like what, what's really amazing is our limbic system does all the thinking for us. Mm. Everything for us. Yeah. Like it gives us these like loud alarms. Be like, yo, like you fucked up, bro. Yeah. Like this is pretty bad. Or yo, mm-hmm. you're doing a really good job. Yeah. And then, like, so, so ev- all the thinking work is already done for us. And so now <laughs> it's like, you take that information, you use your prefrontal cortex to be like, okay, like how can I most affect change in, in mm-hmm. the best way possible? Yeah. Given this information. Right. But like if our limbic system didn't make things abundantly clear, well, what's we would happening never do right anything. now. Yeah. We would never do anything. Mm-hmm. If we had to think about, yo man, maybe, maybe I should feel bad about yeah. this. You know, I don't yeah. even know, remember where the fucking keys are yeah. in my house, dude. How the fuck am I going to remember? Oh, do I need to feel bad about uh, this? No. Yeah. No. Do I need to feel good about this? No. Like our limbic system That's does hilarious. all the thinking. It does. It so really like, does. If you can develop a relationship with it, it becomes your best friend. Yeah, it becomes a tool. It becomes a that, tool. That's that's really cool because I'm actually – I just barely finished this book that was um, – it was called uh, like – over cutting through spiritual materialism. And one of the things like we've talked about this before in terms of like the human ego, right? Uh, when I kind of un- learned to understand what ego was, it was sort of, uh, I created like an overcorrection to just want to be like, I got to cut this out completely. Right. But, um, this book is talking about doing the exact same thing that you were talking about with your emotions, you know, and being able to, and your limbic system brain, instead of saying that ego is so powerful, I need to kill it. Like we're saying, focusing on it, trying to like cast it out and stuff. You're actually making it more powerful and like a lot more consuming. But as soon as you can learn how to have, you know, develop a relationship with your ego as well, you transcend it by doing that, just like you're talking about with your emotions. And, um, it's just it makes me think as above so below right it's just it's just yeah. all i'm seeing these patterns all the time and uh 
I don't know. They're helping me at least. So I hope yeah. it's helping somebody. <laughs> <laughs> it is like you need, you need duality for anything to be experienced. Mm, if you yeah. didn't, if there was no ego at all the times, that would just be that. It yeah. What would it. that be? Right. Yeah. It would just be mm-hmm. it. Yeah. If there was ego all the time. It would just be it. Yeah. You wouldn't even like, know. To, like to be able to experience having an ego mm-hmm. and to be able to experience not having an ego at times, mm-hmm. you need to know what it's like to not have an ego and yeah. you need to know what it's like to have an ego. Like, yeah. Both things are intertwined, just like mm-hmm. light and dark are intertwined. Like yeah. the same thing, just at opposite ends of the spectrum. And mm-hmm. if, if one were to cease to exist, nothing would exist. Yeah. And so like people are uh, so, so quick to, to try to shut out all the, the negative things, mm-hmm. all the bad things, but yeah. it's only through those bad things that you can even experience anything good. Yeah. Cause it, otherwise all the good all the time just becomes a ty- a different type of bad. You know, you have to experience it somehow. It's just inherent and like essential to everything to yes. have that kind of, you know, duality. There's duality in all yeah. things, the yin and the yang. Mm-hmm. Like the, yeah. that is how our world works. And mm-hmm. so like to, to, to live a well, like a good life, you mm-hmm. have to, you have to be on the border of that. Yeah. I like how paradoxical it becomes by saying like that there is duality in all things, but we also have to fully understand that they're the same thing because yeah. you're, you know, you're, ex- you have to experience both. So then essentially they are the same thing. That's a whole other like right? rabbit hole to go down. <laughs> but, um, I think that's super important. Even when understanding our emotions, like our, you know, our positive and negative emotions, um, I think, it, it can be pretty common on like social media to have like that. Uh, it's like a toxic positivity type thing. I don't know if you've seen that, but it's sort of just like, it's like, Oh, don't ever feel sad. And if someone's feeling sad around you, just tell them to be happy. Like that, yeah. you know, if you just prioritize like feeling this way and totally denying the, you know, emotions that you're experiencing right now, you'll somehow be fine. And uh, so I think understanding that duality in our emotions is super important. Cause um, I, I love it whenever like we kind of connect after a little while and you're just like, yeah, I just kind of, I just really came out of a slump and I was like, and you're always like, but I needed it. Like I needed to have that to gain the perspective of where I want to be and like how to change things. And like, you just have to have that duality in your own emotional life. And I, I always love that you're so honest about it too. Like people need to be more like you. So <laughs> I appreciate it, man. You're very kind, dude. Sweet. Yeah. No, it, everyone has lows. Everyone mm-hmm. has highs. Yeah. And if you can develop a relationship with your lows, <laughs> they, they, you can, you can get out of them quicker. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. And just not let them be so low, I yeah. guess. I'm but also to understand it. that it's important to have the lows. Mm. It's important to have a different shift in perspective Yeah, so that you can then – like cars wouldn't travel if, if, if they were all gas. Yeah. You know, they have to have gas and brakes. It's like mm. that whole duality. Yeah, right? like yeah, you exactly. You need to stop at times. Like I like to think of your lows as – like if you're in a low state, like mm-hmm. not having the, the best day or week or, mm-hmm. or month, whatever, whatever, it, whatever is. it is, right? Mm-hmm. Like – you were just pulling back the catapult <laughs> to propel yourself forward to having good times. I like that. Cause like you need to have mm-hmm. that. Like you are going to experience those lows. As long as you kind of let it be that, you know what I mean? Yes. It's, it's easy to kind of feel the low and be simultaneously digging yourself deeper into it, into a negative state. And so I think it's really important to feel that and to see that metaphor in your mind, like, Oh, I am being pulled just so I can move back towards better graded things, you know? Yeah. And, uh, it's important for people to see that. I think it probably happens naturally anyways, but in my own life, you know, with my own experience with depression and stuff, I have seen it where I sort of feel a low phase and I have to feel like shame about it. Yes. You know, it's like, I shouldn't be sad, especially like I grew up kind of affluent, you know, my, my parents were not poor. And so it like, I would see people struggling and then I would feel like shit. And I would just tell myself, you can't feel this way you know, your family has money. You're fine. You know, you could go to a therapist if you wanted to, you know, kind of thing. And so I just told myself that I had to stay in that low and that I deserved that low. And like, I just want anyone to know you do not have to stay in that low. They're there to give you perspective and guidance to move forward in your life. You know, just like what you, you do with it. You know, it's super important for me to see it that way because then it's like, no, I don't just, I don't have to stay in the low as if it's like, all I am and I have to identify with it. It's just something I can experience and I can value that experience. Yes. So it's super important. And it's, it's super important to, to use that same perspective on the inverse. Yeah. Yeah. When you're, yeah. When you're in the good times. Cause yeah. it's, it is, it is very important. Cause it's easy to keep chasing that good times yeah. and uh, it's just not going to work that way forever. You're going to have a real bad bounce back. I think if you, if you chase a high for too long, right? Yeah. Yeah. Life is indistinguishable from effortful maintenance, right? Like, oh yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> effortful yeah. maintenance. It's, it's, I love that. You, 
man. That's what you said. You, you said all we are is, oh, shoot. It was like in our first podcast, but I, re- I loved how you summed all up. All we are is a collection of our habits through That's linear it. time. That's it. That's it. That's it. <laughs> That's all we are as people. Like, we're a collection of our habits. Whatever we've been doing, they like, <laughs> where the mind has now become the body and mm-hmm. just works on autopilot, yeah. good and bad. Like mm-hmm. that's all we are. Yeah. And at any moment we can change our habits. That's, that's a very powerful feeling that, to know that, to be like, yeah, we could change our habits. It's not going to be easy. No. It's not always going to, most of the time it's not. No, it's difficult. <laughs> yeah. It takes like 22 days. Yeah, for like, real. Your mind really has to work at it, man. It's, yeah. it's a struggle. But like once that transition happens, then, mm-hmm. it, then it functions automatically. Yeah. It like works on autopilot. Well, because so it already is, but yes. you're building habits towards something else, something yeah. that's not actually serving you. And so I guess maybe that's the step to awakening like we're talking about is just seeing that you're like oh i understand that the habits in my life are not actually serving me and i do have the ability to change my habits yeah it's gonna be a pain in the ass at first but i can i'm pretty sure it'll be worth it yeah um i guess this is where i get back to the culture problem is i i it's you know if you're sitting there having habits that everyone else is having uh it's hard to be able to look at it and say it's not serving me for instance like my current habit that I've been just working to overcome is just the fact that I work all day at a job that, you know, I, I'd much rather be doing literally anything else, <laughs> but I'm working all day, coming home tired. So I just go out and buy food that's not good for me, sit down on a couch and watch TV and numb myself and then go to sleep, you know, and I saw that pattern, but it was hard for me to actually sit there and be like, oh, that's all bad because literally everyone is doing that right now. Yes. You know, it's so common for people to be watching TV all day. You know, people are eating fast food and unhealthy foods all the time. People are being overworked all the time. And this is where, you know, I really do focus on systemic change because if if we had systems, if we had collections of people that could build a new vision, a new idea of what everybody should be doing or what our habits should be and what those habits should yield for us. Like we're just going to be able to do great things, I think. Yeah. And I think it's through embracing that, like kind of going back to viewing everything from a zoological perspective, like humans need to see change. Mm. We need to see progress. Yeah. And throughout all the course of human history, progress has been difficult. Yeah. So we need to embrace difficult things. Mm -hmm. What are we doing right now? We're doing a podcast, which it was difficult at first, but this is yeah. <laughs> this is flowing for me now. Exactly, <laughs> but like what, like you put yourself out of your like out of my comfort routine zone, out of my yeah, exactly out of your like out of your comfort zone, and this is where this is where you experience like the best part of life. Yeah, is by doing difficult things, so yes. we need to start changing the narrative of like, oh, you can be a millionaire, like, and, and things will be super easy. Like, mm-hmm. no, life is not fucking easy, no matter mm-hmm. what you're fucking doing. Yeah, and like like to like we need to have good stress stress mm. isn't bad like yeah. you stress is the only thing that propels us to do anything good yeah and like think about all the most important things in your life mm-hmm. anyone's life yeah if you were to die in a car crash right this second mm-hmm. what would you reflect back upon it, you it, wouldn't reflect yeah. upon the things of like oh man it felt really good to go out and and have this day and like do these things like yeah you reflect upon like I, I had like this intimate relationship and like that mm-hmm. intimate relationship wasn't all fucking daisies. It wasn't easy. Yeah, it was exactly. not easy. It was all, you had to work at. all the most meaningful things in anyone's life mm-hmm. have been difficult, have been challenging, have been challenging. Mm-hmm. And so like, this is the narrative we need to start to change. It's like, it's like, what are you going to do? That's challenging mm-hmm. that will actually bring you a sense of good gratification. Yeah. So like, it's, it's not like, it's so like, what can we, what can people embrace that's difficult? Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people are trying to run from anything that's difficult. And like, yeah. we like, we fantasize about retiring or we fantasize about that new thing that we can get because mm-hmm. like, oh, it's going to be so easy to just chill and relax and do all yeah. these things. But it's like, that, like you can do that. And like, the, those things have a place in our life, but mm-hmm. those, that's not what, that's not the meaning of life. The yeah. meaning of life is embracing something that's difficult and giving it your all. And, and that's why we're here. So if you're, if, if people aren't challenging themselves mm-hmm. and like, and you know, you yeah. know when you're not doing it. You you feel shitty when you watch TV all day long. I do, yeah. You and and this is the thing is like everyone has the radar. Mm-hmm. Everyone has the radar. They know what they're doing is wrong, even if everyone else is doing it. Yeah. You know personally based off of your feelings, your mm-hmm. limbic system telling you everything that you you're need like, to know. I feel like shit today. I feel like shit today because yeah. I, I know that mm-hmm. this doesn't serve me. Yeah. And so like if we were to 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 shift the narrative to change of like 
we all need to be embracing difficult things and mm-hmm. we all need to be helping each other embrace difficult things. Yeah. The hunter gatherer experience was a difficult fucking experience. Yeah, it was. It was challenging, mm-hmm. but it was worth it. It was yeah. meaningful. That's why we did it. Yeah. Like, so like if, if, if the, the best way to create systemic change would be to first account what you're experiencing, know how develop a relationship with your limbic brain, because if you don't do that, you can't do anything. Yeah. If you want to create a business, if you want to get, if you want to do anything, the first thing that you need to do is understand why you feel the things that you do. Yeah. That's that step one. Yeah. Like it, I would love for that to be like the first course in anything in college. He's like, be like understand why Oh, you, you want to be a businessman? Well, guess what? We're going to learn how to do cognitive behavioral therapy <laughs> because, because if you don't feel confident to go after and get that, that, that deal, that mm-hmm. job, like, you're not going to be successful. Yeah. Why the fuck would you want to start a business if you don't even know how to regulate your emotions? Yeah. Why the fuck would you want to help people in a nursing home if you didn't know how to regulate your emotions? Yeah. Like, I think the first step would be how do we talk to ourselves, mm-hmm. develop a relationship with that, like, mm-hmm. like start to become friends with your vulnerabilities. Yeah. So that, then you can engage in environments and take the opportunities that you wouldn't take mm-hmm. if you didn't make those steps. Yeah. If you didn't know how to be vulnerable, you wouldn't get anything in your life. And so most people, they're 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 not they they don't deal with that vulnerability and they mm-hmm. blame the world. So if yeah. if people aren't constantly embracing their vulnerable states mm-hmm. and if they're not striving to do something that's difficult. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the, and, and if they're not like taking care of their health, like, yeah. like, like if they're not eating, which in itself food. is striving to do something difficult. Exactly. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. And, and if we were to do that, like the world would be a lot different. Yeah. Place. I, I think it's, I, I like how you mentioned that, like, or just when you said that everybody should try and work for something that is challenging to them, it's sort of it. Cause a lot of times when I'm trying to think of how to change the system, how to create systemic change, I'm thinking too high level. It's like, okay, so there's this, I perceive this centralized authority. We should change the centralized authority, but it's really like what you're saying is addressing challenges on a personal level. It's not something that's going to be the same for everybody. It just doesn't work like that. We can't centralize the solution for everybody. Um, so it really just sounds, it just denotes decentralization as sort of a solution. Yes. Yes. By, yes. Yeah. Yes, like yes. having people understand, <laughs> that if they're just active in their own communities and solving problems there, that that's the best place to start for one thing. And that's how you're going to actually make the meaningful change, like you said. So it sounds like it sounds like we've already kind of built out a vision for people. It's like work towards challenging things, right? That's something that people can actually like tag on to without having to be some complex bureaucratic system. And, you know, like – I think you know when I'm ever thinking of like how are we gonna like take down capitalism or something like that. You know, I'm all I'm all thinking, oh, okay, we got to create some big like hierarchical structure that's just really complex and blah 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 blah, and then somehow teach everybody on the planet to do that. You know, and but if you're if the vision for people is simply like do something challenging, like do something challenging that you know is going to benefit you, and then just like trust in the process and trust in the fact that everybody else is doing it too. So give them a break, give them a fucking break, please. Then we're going to create massive systemic change and it's going to result in decentralization. So I think you cracked it, dude. You figured out how to solve the world. Just have to be the, like we're all mirrors. Uh. We're all mirrors for each other. (laughs) And all you need to do is take the information, all the information that you find valuable Mm -hmm. and, and reflect that. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And then, of course, it has to be said, it's easier said than done. Yes, very so, much so. Uh, that, I it's, good, it's a process. Yeah, that's where we just... <laughs> and that's the thing, too, is like you're, like anything that you're doing, mm-hmm. if it's new, yeah. you have, you're developing a relationship with that process. Yeah. You can't beat yourself down if you don't know how to play a, a, mad, like a magnificent classical piano yep. piece if mm-hmm. you're just learning how to play the piano. Yeah, exactly. You're, it's, it's, you're like... Everything starts in infancy. Mm-hmm. We are like anything that you do. If you're now deciding to approach a challenging thing, mm-hmm. whatever that is, you cannot judge yourself for not understanding how to do that thing to the best of your ability. It's your first time. <laughs> yes. But like if you didn't experience that thing of like, man, I don't know how to do this, you mm-hmm. would never try to do anything better. That's true. So like yeah. if we didn't have that shame, it wouldn't push us to do new and better things. So awesome. like Circling you need all to the way back. understand why you're feeling it. Mm-hmm. Tell yourself, okay, like 
I need to look at my prefrontal cortex. Mm-hmm. Like I need to look at this binocularly. I've never done this. Yeah. Why would I think that I could do this? Mm-hmm. That's a silly thought. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm going to continue trying because I know over the long period of time, I know if I dedicate a certain amount of time, uh, eventually, if I trust linear time, mm-hmm. I'm going to put a lot of hours into this. And, and it, once I put a lot of hours into this, mm-hmm. now my mind doesn't have to think so much. Now yeah. that thing's going to become a habit. Mm-hmm. And now my body's going to do it. Yeah. And then like, that's it. That's like, it. That's something that is is easy to forget is just the fact that like I feel like all of us should know that literally if you like I mean it's a cliche I think we do all know it that if you put your mind to something you'll you'll get it you know but it what it has to click for you personally I don't know why it just you have to feel it inside because I remember I used to use drumming as a huge part of my identity I was like I am a drummer so if I'm not drumming I'm pretty much dying right now like there is no Nathan and but like. I was only drumming like once every like month, maybe. Right. So then I, w- it was just like, why do I suck at drumming? And I was just like getting so pissed. And then like something clicked. It's like, Oh, you're not playing. <laughs> you're not actually, you're not actually drumming. Uh, I wonder why you're not doing good. You know? So then I just started like focusing on it, you know, setting goals. And I got back to this place that I felt comfortable and it actually kind of liberated me. Cause I was like, Oh, I don't need to like freak out if I'm not good at something. Cause it's like, if I wanted to do it, I could. And that that's, that can be liberating for people yes. if you just realize, like, give yourself time, give yourself compassion, and, uh, you know, try a challenge. Yeah. Do hard things. <laughs> that's what's up, man. Yes. And you can do it. Like, cool, it, 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 that was a, the perfect example of that, man. Yes. That's I perfect. love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, thanks, man. Gang, I really gang. appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. <laughs>